If I look a little more tired than normal this morning, there's a reason for it, but it's a very good reason. So about a week ago, my mom drove three of my nephews back from Illinois in time for the Sacred Heart Feast. And then this past week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I got to go down with them and my mom and dad to Charleston for a couple days. And it's always great to get together with my nieces and my nephews. So this is my sister's uh, three oldest boys, David, Thomas, and Matthew. And we went down to Charleston. It was great, although it's funny. You don't expect Charleston at the end of June to be rainy and cold, but there you have it. We've had like the longest spring ever, but I think summer is finally starting to hit us. But it was great to get to be there with them. And on the last day before we drove back up to Charlotte to my folks' house, the three of the boys, my mom and I, went walking through the big market where they've got all the different vendors along the way. And David, the oldest of the three, had with him his wallet, and David had $5. Now, David saw many things that he wanted to get, but there was one particular vendor that really kind of caught all of our eyes, but David's in particular, and it was one of those where he had these wood carvings of frogs and of owls. And the frogs were the type where it had like a jagged back, and it came with a little stick that you ran up and down its back, and it sounded like a frog. To be fair, it was kind of cool, but the smallest of them all was $10. You may remember, David had $5, and David was kind of working something out with me. Uncle Johnny, if you just loan me $5, I can get this frog. Like, David, I'm thinking about it. Like, it's, it's tough, because like, I want to be the uncle who just can spoil them and whatnot, but here are Thomas and Matthew right there, right? And they're also watching and wanting to get the frogs. And here's the thing, if it's gonna get for all of them, I'm 30 bucks in on frogs, and I'm not quite ready to make that kind of a commitment. And thanks be to God, the voice of prudence and reason came from over my shoulder, my mother saying, I don't think it's a good idea. Thank you, Mom. And I said, okay, let's keep going, guys. Now, I'm just gonna be honest with you, David was not happy. David wasn't happy at all. Now, to be fair to David, He's eight. He was born a week after I arrived at Sacred Heart. And God bless him. He didn't like throw a tantrum, but David was not happy with me. And I'll be honest with you, as the uncle, that just kills me, right? Well, we had driven down separately, just as often do in a travel in case I have to make an emergency trip back or something. So David rode with my mom back, and Thomas and Matthew rode with me. And so I didn't get to talk to David for a while. We get back to my parents' house in Charlotte, We've had a couple hours to process, and I said to David, David, let me ask you a question. Are you happier having that $5 in your wallet now, or do you really wish you had the frog? And he goes, I'm happier with the $5. I said, okay, thank goodness. Okay, so we're okay. I'm a decent uncle again. We're making our way through life. So it was a good thing, and of course, here's the deal. I'm telling you this whole story. All analogies break down. But when you look at the second reading from St. Paul, and he gives us this quick summary about the results of the fall, of temptation, of sin. Look how he sums it all up. Through one man, sin entered the world, and through sin, death. And thus death came to all men, inasmuch as all sinned. So you get this quick summary that really gets at the heart of everything, of like how we find ourselves in a valley of tears, why life is difficult, what we have reaped since the fall. 
And think about what Adam and Eve had in the garden. I mean, perfect communion with our Heavenly Father, walking with Him in the cool of the evening. You know, it's not good for the man to be alone. He creates Eve. You know, like a wonderful marriage relationship. Things are good between them. There's peace. There's joy. You know, dominion over the fruits and the animals and everything else. And what does Adam do? You know, at the, at the temptation, the fear presented by the devil... He falls. He trades it all in. All the devil has to say is, did God really say you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden? Which is just obviously false on the face of it. But they keep listening. They keep going on. It's like this fear of missing out. Oh, you won't die, right? And the thing is, of course, they don't immediately physically die. But look at what happens with that original sin, that mortal sin. There's a death to the relationship. They were in communion with God and they threw it away. For what, right? This quick passing thrill of reaching out and grabbing things. They gave away their inheritance, and they only reaped death. And that's why our first parents can't hand on anything else to us except for physical life. But it obviously doesn't end there, thanks be to God, and here we are. We have been given the grace of baptism. We all need that wonderful sacrament to receive that everlasting life again. And I know, as we look at our first parents, it's an easy thing to think to ourselves like, ah, how could they do this? Why would they do this? It's just so crazy. But let's be honest. We all fall into the same trap, right? We all fall in the same trap with David, right? I've got a wonderful five bucks in my wallet. I'd rather go into debt and, you know, to get a frog that's going to cause my brothers and I to fight that I won't be paying attention to in 20 minutes, right? It's one of those kind of things. I know it's a bad analogy, but nevertheless, we all fall into that trap. The devil throws temptation and fear at us to try to get us to trade something so much better. You think about this, you're playing golf. Do you want to make sure that you're the guy who's beating everybody else? Eh, I know maybe it was four strokes. I'm going to mark down to three. Like you trade in your character for winning a game, right? Or just, I'm going to skim a little bit off the top. You know, I'm just going to take this one thing. I mean, I work hard over the things. And not have the joy of really working for something that you receive. Stealing never actually works, or things are tough at home. It's a little bit strained between my spouse and I. I'm going to go looking for affection somewhere else with another person, or looking online at stuff. And this is the problem. In all of those things, the devil presents different temptations. Oh, this will work out better. Did God really say you can't be happy? Do you have to live in a perpetual state of Catholic guilt? No, of course not. And if we stop and think about that, if we just stop and look at the whole situation, we know that we're being tempted very often to give up something so much better, right? Our character, the peace of knowing that what I have, I have earned, the love of my spouse, of my family. But so often, he tries to tell us, like, no, be afraid of this, because if you keep listening to God, you won't be happy. That is absolutely not the case. And as we hear in the gospel today, Jesus tells us time and again, fear no one, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. We just need to stay close to him because what our first parents threw away, he has come to us to give it back, to give us an even better relationship than they had with God in the garden. He's come to give us his whole life to bring us into the communion of the Holy Trinity. Listen to the way that St. Paul concludes this reading today. But the gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, 
How much more did the grace of God and the gracious gift of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow for the many? We have the opportunity to participate fully in the love of God, in this life, and then forever in heaven. The trouble is, is that the devil is really good at what he does. Just like with our first parents, just like for us all the time, he knows how to tempt us, to make it look like a sweeter deal. But remember, as we renew our baptismal promises every Easter, what's one of the things we reject? The devil and all of his empty promises. He can never deliver on what he says he's going to give you. When we give in to momentary pleasure, what do we reap? Loneliness, suffering, and pain. When we turn away from our Heavenly Father, when we turn away from Christ, it doesn't bring about good things. I'll tell you, you know, yesterday was the first anniversary of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Thanks be to God, right? And I'll tell you, after 13 years of hearing confessions, I can tell you from experience that abortion does not take care of a problem. It just introduces so many more. But Jesus Christ has come in to lift us out of our own sorrow and isolation and moving away from him. He gives us his mercy. And so ultimately in all of this, what is the one thing he's kind of telling us to be afraid of? Ultimately, it's sin itself. We don't have to be afraid of anything except for sin. Because what is sin? It's turning our back on God, turning our back on one another. I mean, think about the prayer of the Our Father. Both of them sum up so well the greatest of the commandments. Love God, our Father, with all you've got, and your neighbor is yourself. The hour of that. We are brothers and sisters. And so, if we are afraid of sin, we don't want to turn our back on Him or on one another. It's in that loving relationship that we ultimately find happiness. It's in clinging to him every single day that ultimately we find peace. I know in the moment of temptation, it's just like with my nephew David, like, ah, why can't I just have the frog? Because you have to give up too much and it's not worth it. Stay close to Christ. And I'll tell you, I'm gonna close this morning giving you a prayer that helps me out so much with this. Because like everybody, I'm besieged with temptation and fear all the time myself. It's there. It's like a tempest all around us all the time. How do we make it through? Well, this is one of the things that helps me so much. I'm going to make sure we get this prayer in the bulletin. So you can pray it all the time too. And I'll tell you when it comes in the Mass. So after we sing the Lamb of God and everybody kneels back down, you may have noticed that I'm quietly praying at the altar. There's several prayers in the midst of the Mass that are kind of like the priest's private prayers. This is actually what the rubric says. Then the priest, with hands joined, says quietly. So sometimes you might kind of hear me mumbling a little bit, but this is what I'm saying to Jesus present in the Eucharist before I turn around and say, Behold the Lamb of God, this is what I'm praying. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who by the will of the Father and the work of the Holy Spirit, through your death, gave life to the world. Free me by this, your most holy body and blood, from all my sins and from every evil. Keep me always faithful to your commandments and never let me be parted from you. My brothers and sisters in Christ, there are plenty of things around us that will tempt us to be afraid, that will tempt us to move away from our Lord, that tempt us to sin against one another. Don't listen to those. 
Cling to our Lord. Know that fact that the gift is so much better than the transgression. That the devil has many empty promises, but he does not deliver. That ultimately Christ wants us to be in communion with him. Cling to him. Ask him for the grace to keep staying close and that you may never be parted from him. Praise be Jesus Christ.